Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. Thank you so much for checking us out. This show is all about learning more about the authors that have inspired us and diving into the stories that they not only created, but lived as well. So join us as we explore the worlds that live just out of reach. Today, we're going to talk about Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn. Gilligan? I don't know. Hannah will tell us in a minute. We explore her style of writing and how she just exploded onto the writing scene. She is without a doubt Hannah's favorite author. (laughs) And a very good one. I read some of her work. And trying to sum her up in just this opening song would be a discredit to her work and Hannah's love for her. We'll be going through her life and works and how she has inspired a whole new generation of female writers. But you know what? I think Hannah said it best when she made me sit quietly and listen to her talk for a change. So let's jump right in. Women are turning the tables on the crime genre. Of course, female authors have long contributed tales of murder and mystery. Agatha Christie is the best-selling novelist of all time. But within the past couple of decades, women have foregone the traditional cops and detectives, lawyers and soldiers turned vigilantes. For what their stories lack in body count, they more than make up for with emotional violence. And it's this new environment that Gillian Flynn, author of three best-selling novels, helped create. Welcome, everyone. This is Between Lewis and Lovecraft, the podcast. I'm Hannah Ray Lambert. And I'm finally allowed to talk. (laughs) That's the longest Tyler has ever been quiet on this show. I was shaking with anticipation, guys. I'm Tyler Clausen, the the executive producer of this show. Yep, that's his title. We've also got our senior producer, Amy, Amy. who is the sole proprietor of... The book nook. The book nook. Where we are sitting, talking right now. Her parents have nothing to do She's amazing. with this 15-year-old girl who runs this entire bookstore by herself. Yep. While getting straight A's <laughs> at school. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> As we look back at her parents. And Amy also brought her friend Alex with us today. So we have a junior producer. Junior producer, yeah. yep. So we are just all, all produced. Yeah, we've got lots of people to yell at us when our microphones don't work properly. Or we just don't Hi, use them. Oh, thanks, Amy. You're welcome. See, she's already earning her pay. Yeah, which, which is, is zero dollars. She <laughs> makes the same amount as me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. So uh, this is our, our fifth episode. So exciting. So exciting. Happy fifth birthday, Lewis and Lovecraft. Yeah, well, uh, it's not a fifth birthday because it would be, that would be five years from the day we, re- would it be the fi- day we released or the day we first recorded? Oh. Really? Because um, this period from where we started recording these episodes to the day we released would be like the pregnancy, <laughs> right? Gross. They, it's been it's been growing in the belly of this of our minds, and then the day we release is the birthday. The birthday. Okay, so it's not even our birthday. We we are in term five <laughs> we're, of the we're going brain into labor pregnancy. soon. We're, there's contract contractions i was yes. gonna say contraptions <laughs> and i know that that is not correct good job you got an a in biology no i live below a pregnant woman oh. <laughs> yeah. speaking of women speaking of women segue. yeah this is the first female author we're talking about on this it show yeah. uh gillian flynn i mentioned her name she's she's kind of a badass which this whole time i've been calling her jillian that's because flynn. i misled you when i said it yeah, I, I listened to an interview with her, and they said Gillian Flynn, and 
and you realized <gasps> I had been pronouncing it wrong. This yeah, time. just like it's also Lewis, not C.S. Lewis, not C.S. Lewis, which we've been told is how you're supposed to laugh if you're a Cisco girl. Having teenagers here has been just an educational experience. I feel like our show's slowly going to become how old people can deal with teenagers. Yes. And this is coming from, uh, are you 30? I'm 30. A 30-year-old and a 24-year-old. Yeah, so, you we're, know, we're ancient. Yeah, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so getting back to uh, books. Yes. I have to admit, uh, I was not much of a murder mystery reader really? growing up. I read Goosebumps, and I don't know if you ever read R.L. Stein's Fear Street series, which was like the more teen-oriented murder mystery type books. No. I read all of those by junior high, and then I kind of just wasn't interested in it anymore i was reading all those like teen romance novels and stuff i I read a few goosebumps and i was like never again never again too scary yeah i was terrified and then i would watch like um are you afraid of the dark you know as a kid and i was i was the 90s bombarded me with terrifying (laughs) short stories And I grew up into a terrible person. So thanks, 90s. Thanks, 90s. (laughs) We're grateful for so much from the 90s. Yeah. But yeah, so all through high school and young adulthood, I wasn't really into murder mysteries. Not so much because I was scared of them, but because I found that a lot of them were lacking in like actual character depth and development. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until probably the last couple of years that I kind of got more interested in murder mysteries again, because I found some authors who created really, a character they within created a, a genre. character yeah. yeah it wasn't just a mystery it was like oh my gosh i really care about this person and i want them to survive until the last page or something yeah, yeah. um and a big part of that was gillian flynn's work yeah so for those who don't know she's probably best known for gone girl which they made into the movie starring yep. ben affleck and rosamund pike uh, huge movie everybody watched it i watched it i watched it before i read the book i did not watch it but we'll talk about that later we're going to talk about a lot of Tyler's shortcomings when it comes to, to consuming yeah, the literature and movies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so starting at the very beginning, as we do, Gillian Flynn was born February 24th, 1971 in Kansas City, Missouri. Not Kansas. Kansas City, Missouri. You and know what I always end up doing with, with people's birth dates? Like I always, so I was born in 89, right? I'm mm-hmm. 30 years old. And I always try to like do the math and go oh 71 okay so she's 18 years older than you 18 years older than me that's not that much older than me no right like i'm always doing that whenever especially whenever somebody's like 1981 like that bugs me when somebody compare yourself when somebody's super successful and they were born in 81 bugs the living crap out of me anything before 81 i'm like okay you're 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 old enough to be successful (laughs) but 81 and younger pisses me off because I'm getting to that age. You're like, how come I haven't achieved as much as you? You said a bad word. Amy, Amy's on swear alert. Oh, because I said pissed? Mom! <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that people can hear her yell mom in the background. <laughs> well, regardless of your uh, inferiority complex with people who were born in 81. Yeah, well, you know. She was born in 71, so it's... Fine she's old she's, enough to be successful. Yes, it's fine that she beat you. That's what I'm saying. It's, Although her first enough. her first book Don't came out it. in 2006. Don't so um, how old does that make? That makes her 35. 13, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I know. I've got I've got five years to catch up. You've got five years to be as good as to Gillian one of the Flynn. greatest sci-fi, not sci-fi, uh, murder. murder. <laughs> so um, a lot of what plays into her writing is where she was born. She was born in Kansas City, 
very midwestern and her books they all have this midwestern noir feel to them um you know in a chicago tribune article she was quoted as saying i'm very stubborn about the midwest to me it's a great under exploited literary terrain that's fun to roam around in. It has a strangely exotic feel to it because it's so underwritten and underused in literature, which I think is kind of true. Like a lot of literature focuses on big cities, New York City, the West Coast. I kind of want to argue with that because I feel like if you were to give the cliche like big town detective comes to a small town and has to solve a horrible murder that has never occurred in a small town. People would be like, yeah, there's, there's a hundred of those books. True. But then it's normally the big town detective coming. It's not like someone who grew up in that environment telling the story. It's still got that kind of like elitist take on it. It's like, the big town is really like, if it wasn't for the big town detective, nobody would, nobody would ever solve this. this. Like I'm here to educate you, small minded, small town people. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll give you that one. So I think that's the setting is really important and she really emphasizes the setting a lot in her works. Um, and then she also in the same article spoke about the violence quote unquote of small towns. She Mm. said, I do think there's a different kind of violence that happens in small towns where people see each other every day and aren't able to remake themselves the way they can in big cities. Right. We're both from a small town. Do you feel like that rings a little bit true? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I've definitely, people know me now in this town, especially after I've started a very, very small company and do, (laughs) the news podcast that I do and people know me and I don't know who they are and they talk to me about stuff. And isn't it weird? Cause it's like, super weird. Now they're developing opinions about you and you're never going to really be able yeah. to change it. Yeah. It's, it, it's legit. No anon- I've been doing this for one year, the, the news podcast and people have developed very interesting opinions of me, which have no warrant or weight to them at all. And if I tried to change, it'd be very hard. Mm hmm. So. There's no anonymity right. in a small town. Right. So I think that's another another big theme in her books. Hmm. Interesting. Probably comes from growing up in the Midwest, which I don't think Kansas City is really a, a small town, but by like know, never big there, city. So. I haven't been there either because I haven't really been to the Midwest. Yeah. But so everything I know about the Midwest comes from Gillian Flynn novels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's sure. like saying everything I know about New England comes from H.P. Lovecraft. That's a Wait, terrible way. I mean, yeah. I, I thought it was literally all like cemeteries. <laughs> you got giant monsters and right? tombs. You, you know, people creating machines that open up your senses to other realities. Right? New England's a pretty chill place. Beautiful in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the changing of the, of the trees. Of the cool. trees, right? So um, both of Gillian Flynn's parents were professors at a local community college her mother taught reading perfect and her father taught film um and her dad teaching film was actually like a pretty big um influence on her he would take her to see scary movies that were sometimes like age inappropriate so think like alien and psycho and bonnie and clyde film was a huge influence on her growing up um, and I think you can see that in her writing later on too. And the fact that she went on to write several of her screen adaptations of her novels. Oh, I didn't know she actually wrote her screen adaptations. Yeah. So she wrote the script for Gone Girl, 
Um, that was her first time like writing a script. Hmm. And then when they did the HBO series of Sharp Objects, she was a writer on that as well. Very cool. Yeah. So um, education-wise, pretty basic growing up. She didn't, you know, miss years and years of school like uh, some of our past subjects. Uh, right. She attended a private Catholic high school. She worked several bizarre jobs as a teenager, including one where she had to dress up as a yogurt cone in a tuxedo. What? So obviously she had a very disturbed child. Does that make it into any of her books? No, but I think like you can... S- I think people who work customer service have a deeper understanding of humans. They just like pick up on a lot of stuff. And I think you can see that too. Like the nuances that she writes into her characters and stuff. I'm like, you spent a lot of time hating, (laughs) hating people. people." Yeah, I can, I can totally justify that because I spent a lot of time in retail and I hate people. You just notice things about them. Yeah. You like watch them as they like put their hands in the food and then like put it back or something. You have nothing else to do, Amy. It's not creepy at all. You you're sitting there waiting to help someone and then like they're like either jerks or gross or they think you're not important enough to worry about your opinion, so they do things that they wouldn't do in that front they of wouldn't do their in front friends of and family. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a weird thing that happens. It's a weird relationship. So I think people who work in customer service <laughs> They're set up to be good writers. Yeah, pretty much. So um, she went on to earn her undergraduate degrees in both English and journalism from the University of Kansas. Uh, She spent two years in California writing about human resources for a trade magazine, which sounds horribly unfulfilling. Um, And then she went back to school to Northwestern University and got a master's in journalism. And then initially she thought she would want to be a police reporter which would actually make a lot of sense yeah. given what she went on to write. For what she was doing. But then she claimed she was too wimpy to cut it. As what a, What is a police reporter? So you're like on the crime beat. So like you listen to the scanners and if you hear like someone's been shot, you rush out there and cover the and shooting and stuff. Go talk or, yeah. A, like write what go happened. Go talk to witnesses or the police, try to figure out what happened. What would originally like is it just her her interest in crime do you think that kind of drew her to that probably i mean you know she grew up watching scary movies and stuff and Hmm. you know a crime beat for journalism is pretty basic i'd say okay it's like it sounds exact i would think about doing the crime beat but she wasn't into it so i mean i i do a a police beat segment on my news show yeah so i just read read the, the reports the police reports and stuff and they're fun i guess in the sense of like i like making fun of dumb criminals but i wouldn't want to make that my career yeah and especially when you're not doing the like dumb criminals one when you're doing the like oh there's a dead body there and i'm standing here asking the police about it yeah or like oh this entire family's been murdered let's uh report that i wouldn't even touch that on my show see (laughs) See? that's way too depressing you and gillian flynn have that in common yeah but since she was a movie geek basically we've we've reasoned that we both work customer service and we're too wimpy to do real police beat work. <laughs> I think what we're trying to get to is I'm Gilly and Flynn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoa. What? I mean, slap a brown wig on him. And, and you, know. you would never know the difference. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just talk with a Midwestern accent and you've got it. What's up, y'all? That's Southern. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know what a Midwestern accent would be. But anyway, Gillian Flynn uh, ended up moving to New York then and started writing for Entertainment Weekly 
for about 10 years. Um, and she got to do some cool work there. She visited film sets all over the world, including mm. in New Zealand for the Lord of the Rings. What? Because when Lord of the Rings was getting made, everyone thought it was going to be like kind of small potatoes. They were like, oh, it's kind of nerdy. And yeah. she volunteered to do it. And they were like, okay, nerd. <laughs> and sent her to, the, <laughs> to New Dude, Zealand. <laughs> that's awesome. That like, would be so fun. That would be fun. On top of like after they come out and they, they're like number one most grossing fantasy series of all time. And then to like the people who are like, yeah, whatever, nerd. And you're like, who's the nerd now? Who's Free trip to New Zealand. Yep. Yeah, and she's been... got a movie poster signed by Peter Jackson. Yeah. And yeah. She stole the one ring, I'm sure. And... Probably. <laughs> That's how she gets all of her ideas. <gasps> it's her precious. It's her precious. <laughs> So while she was working for Entertainment Weekly, she was writing her novel on the side. Of course, all which, writers are. Yeah, that's what I should be doing right now. Actually, yeah, I'm yeah. working in journalism. Where's my but novel, you, Tyler? But you are. You but are. I, I am. And we we're not. We're definitely going to address the fact that we are both authors, both working on our books. Yes. And I'm going to bring it up later in the show. So. Perfect. <laughs> so at the time, she was working on Sharp Objects, her first novel. Yeah. It was published in 2006 and was an Edgar Award finalist and the winner of two of Britain's Dagger Awards, which apparently is really impressive because it was the first book to ever win more than one Dagger, Dagger Award, Award in a year. Dagger, Dagger. Dagger, Dagger. It sounds really prestigious for a murder mystery writer if if we have any listeners who are critical role fans they'll get that joke though there's a i don't it's a get whole, that joke yeah. i'm with you rest of the listeners it's okay <laughs> critical role fans i love you too and her second novel dark places came out in 2009 she was actually laid off from her job at entertainment weekly just before its release so wait so she had already released one novel mm -hmm. and she continued to work she was still working so so that goes to show like even if you write a really good novel you're not you didn't win the lottery no yeah like you're not you're not set up for the rest of your life you still have to continue to work on other books if that's what you want to make your career yeah because it's no guarantee that you're gonna right. get another novel published or when like it could be years yeah see but like i <clears throat> we'll talk more about it in the stephen king episode but whenever that happens but there's the the story that he writes in his memoir of his first book being sold carrie mm -hmm. and um when he when he it got bought by the publisher and he's like, all right, great. And then they're like, Hey, we're selling it. You know, we're selling it for trade paperback rights. He's like, Oh, that's great. And then they called him and he thought at most he'd make, I think he was saying like 80 grand, mm -hmm. right. Which today would be a good bit of money. Uh, you know, with, um, inflation. Thank you. I Even was, without I, inflation, I would not turn up my nose grand, at 80 right, grand. Yeah, no, but I no, maybe he said 40 grand, something like that, where it's like it's a good bit of money, but it he'd still have to be a teacher because yeah. that's what he was at the time. And then um he got the phone call where they're like, "All right, we're they're buying it for like $400,000, which in today's money is like $2 million." And he he pocketed half of that, his publisher pocketed the other half. So he made a million dollars off of his first book. Right. So like there's always that expectation that once you sell your first book, you're you going to be a millionaire. Yeah. Exactly. But she like you can see she won a prestigious award twice and she still has to work, mm -hmm. you know, and she has to work on her new novel because that's what she wants to continue doing. Yeah. So she got laid off just before the second novel came out, 
which was probably pretty stressful. Yeah. Um, and But it did give her the opportunity to really throw herself into writing her follow-up, which was going to end up being Gone Girl. Right. And somewhere in these years, she got married as well. She married a lawyer. Um, they were living in Chicago. Um, Chicago. Yeah. And, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. I had to. <laughs> so for those who don't know, Gone Girl is about a very dysfunctional uh, couple, Amy and Nick, and... <laughs> a- Amy gasps. Amy's kind of freaking out here. That's my brother's name. Oh. Well, you said you saw the movie, Amy. <laughs> yeah, what the yeah, heck, Amy? A long time ago. Hey, <laughs> 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 it's not about Amy, as in the owner of the book nook, Amy. Right. <laughs> People are going to come to the book nook asking specifically for Amy. For Amy. They're going to be like, I heard Amy owns this. Who are you, Megan? Yeah. Are you what are you Amy? doing here? No, I'm Megan. Do you work for her? <laughs> Do you work for Amy? <laughs> but no, so Gone Girl is about Amy and Nick. Um, they're, Nick is from the Midwest. Uh, Amy is from New York. New York. I'm just going to say the New places York. you say with the accent that I can do. So they meet there, uh, fall in love, get married, blah, blah, blah. And then they're both laid off from their writing jobs. Right. And decide to move back to Nick's hometown in a dying town in Missouri. Yeah. Um, and they're, uh, Amy obviously is are not we, very happy. Are we going through the book? I'm just setting it just up. Just a quick setup. Okay. Yeah. Just quick setup. So. Yeah. You're uh, setting the scene I'm as setting Amy the scene would say. As which Amy? <laughs> Amy from the book. <laughs> Amy from the book. Because yes. I did read enough to understand that. <gasps> to know that all signs would point to Amy having been either kidnapped or murdered and disposed bum, of. Bum, bum, bum. bum. <laughs> I got as far as, so I'll, I'll be honest, I read close to 100 pages of Gone Girl. Oh, that's a decent amount, actually. It's like one-fifth of the book. Yeah. 100 pages of this fatty, fat, fat book, yeah. right? And so... Uh, I read up to the point where her she has been discovered as gone, mm. like not discovered. I don't know if she, her body's ever discovered. I Nick comes <laughs> home and she's gone, and then he calls the cops and the cops are kind of interrogating him a little bit. That's as far as I got. Um, so I can already see where a lot of stuff is going. At Ooh. least I think. Where do you think it's going? Well, he already said that he's lied to her, lied to the cops five times while he's talking about stuff so i already know like they're they're on the rocks they're not doing very well and then i what i should i give you what i think happens yeah because it's not a spoiler because i don't i don't know right i think the sister nick's sister did it and or nick helped because he didn't want to be with her anymore. <laughs> Megan's laughing in the background. <laughs> Stop laughing at me, Megan. <laughs> I'm sure I'm way off, and that's totally fine. I'm just saying what I think off the top of my head. Well, uh, without giving too much away, for those of you who have read Gone Girl, um, it's the kind of book that would normally make a husband a little bit nervous around his author really? wife. <laughs> really? <laughs> But apparently, it was not based at all on their actual relationship, and uh, he laughed when his dad told him that he should sleep with one eye open. Nice. Um, but nice. yeah, so they were happily married. Uh, Gone Girl is not a reflection on their relationship Which at I, all. I, I think that's like, it's only fair to, to say that there's so many authors that get the brunt of like, oh, this is a psychological examination of your own life. Like Stephen King gets it all the time. JK Rowling gets it all the time. Um, and it's like, no, there, 
You can just write a book. It's just a good story. And, uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, Gone Girl is kind of a parody on modern relationships and male-female dynamics. Oh, man, did she leave him and, like, is planning on killing him? Oh, no, that's nuts. (laughs) Tyler's, like, revising his theory. Oh, no, this is a good episode because you guys are going to hear me go, like, every once in a while exclaim of, like, oh, this is what could have happened. (laughs) He's just going to keep, like... Obviously, I don't know. I legit don't know. No, he doesn't know. He didn't even cheat. I didn't watch the movie. Like, and I, and I purposefully didn't, I thought about it several times, but I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to read the book. The book's a lot better. And I want, obviously (laughs) it always is, but I didn't want to ruin it for myself just to be like, oh yeah, for this episode, I wanted to know the mystery of it because some of our fans aren't going to know. I'm hoping a lot of our fans don't know and they'll listen to this and be like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I will say, you should check it out. The first hundred pages, pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm getting some insight into how Tyler wrote his book reports in school. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Mrs. Olson, the first hundred pages, really good. Really good. (laughs) So, um, Gone Girl, you know, no spoilers here. Yeah. It was released 2012, spent more than a hundred weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. That's two years. That is two years. Yeah. Two years. Two full years. On the bestseller list. That's nuts. Um, I've never been on there. Not even for not one even week. Not even for one day. <laughs> not even an hour. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I forgot to look up when the movie came out. 2015. Is that your guess? Yeah. Nah, 2014. Close. I was so close. So right around the time it was finally falling off the bestseller list. Right. They're like, we need to keep this in people's minds. Yeah. So they mean didn't them- Ben Affleck direct that movie as well? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then while the Gone Girl wave was still cresting or whatever waves do, right. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Cresting. <laughs> I don't know. It was waving. <laughs> um, she published a short story called The Grown Up. Um. It was published in 2015, so the next year, and in anthology which was edited by george rr R. martin of yeah. game of thrones fame i have seen a book on a shelf and i could not for the life of me tell you what the title of the anthology of the, was of the book was i don't think is i don't think we're talking about the same thing i think this is a completely different book unless you wrote like a sci-fi book is it a sci-fi book well i think it was an he published an anthology of like sci-fi type stories and she just had a short story in it yeah i don't i don't know maybe that's it there was a book on a shelf the whole point of this is there was a book on a shelf and i tried to find the title for like a full minute before moving on the only thing i could see is it was the as far as i know the book's title was edited by j uh george george R. 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 martin i could not find the title anywhere <laughs> what did the book look like it was like a sci-fi book it was like it looked like a sci-fi guy was like holding on to a hovering car this is like years ago too so i i'm being a little bit like i don't know (laughs) i don't know are you looking it up i was trying to figure out what the book was (laughs) i can't figure it out uh, yeah like i said all i could find out was that he had edited it that was the biggest print on all sides front side and back the one that she was in it looks like it was called rogues I don't know if that helps you. No, it doesn't because I never saw the title. <laughs> and it doesn't look like there's a car on it or what is it, anything. What does it look like? Green. Nope, that's not it. That's not it? That's not it I showed all. him a picture of it. It's not it. 
I'm telling you, it was like one of those classic, like fa- sci-fi covers, like the kind of cheesy looking ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all it said, edited by George R. R. Martin, our author of Game of Thrones. Well, that's all you really need to know. Yeah, you don't need a title. You don't for need that. a title or what it's about. <laughs> as long as that man touched it. Yep. You know that someone's having sex with their cousin or sister <laughs> or aunt. <laughs> Let the record show that none of that happened in her story, The Grown Up. <laughs> oh, is that what Gone Girl is? Is she his cousin the whole time? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, adding to further proof that literally everything Gillian Flynn writes is gold, uh, Universal bought the rights to the film adaptation pretty much right after it was published for really? her short story in a deal rumored to be in the high six-figure range high six figure and she'll also produce so she's making money off of it off of royalties and all of that yeah but what is high six figure because high know. six figure could be 999 million dollars and that's still six no, figure thousand nine hundred ninety nine oh thousand. you're you're right you're right yeah. i'm sorry so not I quite seven yeah. figure yeah because i was thinking million six zeros following the first number <laughs> I'm okay at math, guys. He's he's a writer, not a, a mather. <laughs> I'm a writer. We don't do math or read. We don't, I mean, <laughs> apparently. Those are the, that's the biggest stupid thing I've ever said, other than that sentence. Biggest stupid thing. Biggest stupid thing. Biggest stupid thing. <laughs> I'm on fire today. He's He's killing it. Yeah. It's because I have no material. I have nothing with this woman. He came unprepared. I read the first 100 pages of Gone Girl, and then I read the first chapter of Sharp Objects. Oh my gosh. What did you think of the first chapter of Sharp Objects? (laughs) It was very interesting. It was also... Okay, so here's the deal with that. I was reading that while my wife was watching a show about women who are fighting against men because they were in bad relationships with them. So I was like, I feel like I'm getting like, they're making fun of my jazz hands. I don't think that works with sharp objects, but. I'm just saying like crime, murder mystery crime book while there's murder mystery crime TV. Crime TV. Yeah. I was, stop making fun of my hands, you two. <laughs> this is not okay. Um, it was, it was really interesting. And I, and I will say, I really like the way that she writes. Um, now I'm really self-conscious of my hands because the girl, oh the gosh, teenage girls are making fun of me. Um, <laughs> the first chapter ends on a super weird note, like super weird. What, what's the weird note? Cause I actually haven't read the first chapter lately. So she's talking about how she's back in this town, her Mississippi, you know, next to the Mississippi type town in the Midwest. And she's starting to kind of investigate the disappearance of this little girl. And she goes by like her old house or something. And she starts thinking about that time she saw her like neighbors, um, hunting lodge in the back of their house, like a shed. And it's covered in like dead skins and pelts and pictures of naked women being like raped and stuff. And then she talks about the first time she masturbated was after seeing all those pictures. And that's the end of the end of the chapter. And I'm like, huh? Okay. And then going back to gone girl, she's the girl, Amy, the the girl, Amy, normal Amy, the Amy character in that. All she talks about is how much she wants to get 
you know, sex and how big Nick's penis is. And I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is fun to read about. <laughs> See, I told you we were going to talk about yeah. sex. You were right. And I'm being nice with the words I'm choosing. Yeah. Um, See, I think you bring up some good points here is that the narrators, protagonists in Gillian Flynn's novels are not nice girls. Right. They talk in like ugly ways yeah. about serious things. Yeah. And they're usually... Uh, Uh-oh, it's Megan coming after me. Oh, no. She's going to hit him with a broom. <laughs> Get out of my bookstore! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're in charge. You own the place. You, yeah, you should always be watching yes. the store. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. And you get that sense right away. She makes that point very clear. Yeah, it's like from page one. Like, you know what you're getting into. And I I mean, I like that, that you don't really like any of the, the characters. Right. None of them are good people. I'm going to be really honest. I'm going to get really deep and honest. I didn't like Nick's character. Really? Yeah. Because of how well endowed he was. Because it's like that's not fair. Apparently, <laughs> okay, Tyler's jealous. Apparently, I just think Nick's a he has he he's a, he's a writer, which is the pr- you know profession I want. He's got a big dick, and he's really good at sex, and he makes good enough money to just move wherever he wants. Or his wife is is super rich. Yeah, she's and he got owns the money, a bar, not him. Right? Like it's like it's like I don't like this guy. This is not fair. But then it turns out he he's probably the killer, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a great person <laughs> no spoilers no spoilers he's not he's not a good person this is a novel he's just jealous of him of a, of a fake guy of a fake character all right yeah someone so out there like nick exists but it's it's the character when you're reading a book you you're about uh, feeding into that character so you, you can believe that they're real so you can have an emotional connection to them so that when the eve- when the events happen in the book they affect you that's why you would read right so that you can experience something an emotion and so if i do or don't like this guy it, whatever happens to him i can either root for him or root against him and that's the whole point of reading a book so it sounds like you're rooting against him <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he seems super nice, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the characters are not super nice. So Camille in Sharp Objects. Yeah. She's. I'm going to spoil it a little bit for you. So sorry if you plan to to read the whole thing later. That's no, all right. She's a hardcore alcoholic. Right. Cutter. Yeah. Super disturbed. Not nice to people yeah. all the time. Also, she drinks and drives. You shouldn't do that. You should not do that. You should not do that. But, you know, as she's back in her hometown, you learn her backstory and why she is the way that she is. And then they introduce characters that are way more messed up than she is that sure. you can root against and root mm-hmm. for Camille. I mean, again, going back to Stephen King, sorry, I have a Teddy Graham in my mouth now. So, <laughs> ASMR <laughs> Teddy Graham. Um, <laughs> Going back to Stephen King, like every single one of his main characters is an alcoholic. Yeah. So making characters who are flawed is important to writing. So I think that's it. what I'm saying is like Gillian Flynn. Did I get it right? Yeah, you yes. did. Gillian Flynn, stars. I think one of the reasons why people enjoy her book so much is because she's not writing these perfect characters. She is writing flawed characters and we are way more connected to flawed characters 
than perfect ones. Well, they're way more interesting to read yeah. about too. Even if you don't want to like them. Like yeah. who wants to read about the perfect nice person who did nice things in a nice way and everyone lived happily ever after. And there's no conflict ever. People who like Star Wars. <laughs> like the original first Star Wars. That's Monsters. what Luke Skywalker is. A nice person who does nice things. <laughs> what is Luke Skywalker other than a perfect man? I don't know. <laughs> Megan oh, has feelings. She has an opinion on this. Um, but, I yeah, I agree. Like, you look at the trend, especially at the time when Sharp Objects and Gone Girl were coming out. You know, you at with Gone Girl, you had Breaking Bad mm-hmm. was around the same time. Um, and that was huge. Dexter was was the same i'm talking tv because that's what i watch (laughs) um (laughs) there's still stories so yeah i i think you're absolutely right that people are drawn to flawed characters because they're way more interesting than perfect ones i think everybody would distrust a perfect character yeah i don't think you could read a book with a perfect character and not expect them to turn at some point well distrust also factors into her books because another one of the themes are unreliable narrators right so you've got camille the alcoholic you've got amy and nick who both seem psycho yeah um in her book dark places which is um it kind of spans decades um and is based around like the satanic panic of the 80s um your main character is a girl who when she was like eight years old witnessed her entire family being murdered and pointed the finger at her brother Oh, and now she's like grown up and is a kleptomaniac and has no social circle and i mean do you trust her or not i don't know (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't seem reliable so i think that's the other big theme is i mean she's got her her kind of ugly women who she writes right and then also their unreliable narrators so yeah. throughout the whole book that's part of the suspense is you don't know who to trust or how much of what they say is real and and a lot of that even goes into i mean you see a lot of that in other genres and authors like look at harry potter um in harry potter we think that snape is evil the, the entire time. series no sorry for spoilers if you haven't watched the series or read the book but snape is a good guy and why do we hate snape the whole time because harry hates snape the whole time and why does he hate snape because his dad hated him right and so we have an unreliable protagonist and so like that sort of tool is is really big and it's really important i think i think why Gillian Flynn is so credible is because she takes the toolbox that all the authors have and she kind of unpacks it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So. She's got the who done it, which is ramped up by the psychological thriller aspect. Yeah. With a dash of family drama in there. Yeah. And some social criticism. And that's what everybody Ooh. has in their life. It's what everybody wants in their life. Everybody wants. <laughs> with a great the, twist you know, at the m- ending. Murder and death. <laughs> we could live without that. Right. But yeah yeah i don't were you said you weren't a murder mystery person because they're too scary for you no (laughs) no you know the reason why i don't like murder mysteries you've experienced the reason why i don't like murder. oh because you guess the ending all the time all the time (laughs) but you guess wrong all the time doesn't matter i still have to guess (laughs) you we'll talk about this more when we talk about your book he doesn't like the guessing yeah I like the guessing. It's not that I don't like the guessing. It's that it gets annoying. We're going to talk about this later. I'm I, letting you get through her life. Before I will I, say my mom is a really good guesser at murder mysteries. Normally she did not guess 
who the murderer was in Dark Places, which I was yeah. very, very satisfied by. <laughs> like, that's the mark for me of a good, like, murder mystery, murder mystery is yeah. if you can't guess it by the end or if you like, guess, like, part of it, but, yeah, you know, you miss the reason why or something. There's some sort of reveal at the I'll end. Say, I'll say this. I don't like murder mysteries when they, I especially, like, I'm... I don't read the the genre because it annoys me a little bit, but I don't like a specific murder mystery when they they have the the killer introduced for like we'll say movies because I watch movies more than read the books for the for like maybe two seconds, maybe ten seconds in the movie before you know the they're revealed later at the end, and you're like, oh, okay, perfect example, uh, seven. Oh yeah, right. Because you see him, the killer, before the you know he's revealed, but you don't. You he's not anyone in the cast that you can ever point to and be like, oh, it's him the whole time. That's nuts. It's like this random guy who they randomly saw in a random place, and you would have never been like, oh, that guy in the crowd over there. It was him. It was that guy right there <laughs> that, that they guy? walked by. Like, no, I hate that. I want I want a good murder mystery when the killer was there the whole time. I respect that. And um, slight spoiler alert. It's not really spoilers. <laughs> you have to like do a, a little bit of spoilering. Um, what I like best, or I like everything about Gillian Flynn's novels, but <laughs> I do like in many cases, there is more than one killer. Oh. Or, you know, in one case, the killing uh, was partly accidental and coincided with another murder stuff like that so it's very intricately woven and you do always know you see the killer very early on in the stories (gasps) so it's not like amy and go getting together to kill nick and then amy died on the way there yes nailed it how'd you do that well you know (laughs) you're an expert (laughs) (laughs) go is the name of the sister the sister sister, in gone girl Yeah, just for people who don't know yeah yeah so I mean, I I feel like that's one of her strengths is having a well plotted mystery where at the end the killer makes total sense. And right. You're like, oh my gosh! This I whole can't, time. This whole time. I mean, I'll give you my great the greatest twist I think for me that I've ever experienced watching a movie was the Book of Eli. Oh, where he, he's blind the whole time, right? Well, okay, you spoiled it. I don't know Good if job. I watched it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he Denzel Washington plays a character Eli in a post-apocalyptic world and he kills like everybody who gets in his way and then at the end you realize he was blind the whole time time. and it's nuts because you go back and watch it again and you're like oh my god everything he does points to him being blind the way he touches stuff the way he listens to stuff the way he moves everything he does points to him being blind it's insane to me and I legit got chills and what I went back to the theater the next day to go see it in theaters again. That's a good feeling. Yeah, I I felt that way uh, with Dark Places. Yeah, so don't and spoil it. No spoilers, but if anybody reads it, it's interesting how even the tiniest anecdote about some rural farmer drowning in his own wheat in a silo is very important to the storyline. Oh, okay. Jeez. <laughs> things like is, that. Is Dark Places as long as Gone Girl? No, it's shorter like Sharp Objects. Okay. And that one was also made into a movie uh, with Charlize 
Theron? Theron? I don't know how to say your last name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So so she's writing a lot, and her movies are just like on the on the factory just to be made into a movie. Everything that she has written is a movie. Is a movie or is becoming one? Right. Yes. And after Gone Girl, she wrote a movie too. So just just straight movie. Like didn't write the book. She wrote um, Widows with Steve McQueen, who wrote Twelve Years a Slave, the Oscar winner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she co-wrote that with him, and it's a heist drama, and again, very uh, female-centric with complicated, kind of awful female characters leading it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, on point for what she normally writes. Yeah. So, that's where she is now. Is writing the that. She said um, that, you know, she'll write another novel. It's also going to be in the Midwest. It's also going to be a murder mystery and that's, she's not that's done. the thing i i like when a character or not a character when an author will write in a specific area and kind of create a mythos in that area i think that's why i like lovecraft so much mm-hmm. right he took new england and he literally created like a, a fictional universe in new england and that's cool to me and honestly that's something i want to try and do with my stuff is take like this area, the Northwest Pacific Northwest, and create create a world, out a of mythos it. in in the Pacific Northwest, Cascadia. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's it's super cool. So I, I like that because for me as a reader, it like kind of solidifies the style of an author too. Yeah, you really not you don't know exactly what to expect from them but you know the feeling that you're going to get from reading their stuff yeah and as long as the writer is capable of taking <clears throat> each story and creating its own pace and an atmosphere and really good twist and story then the setting can pl- stay the same and it almost becomes better because it's like everybody you've read the other books so not only is the writer more familiar with this place and can just can kind of expound on stuff but the readers are too and when me- there's make mention of something else they don't need to spend three pages explaining what that place is because they've already explained it in another book maybe um or it's just people are they know what to expect in the surrounding area so this new city or this new area is somewhere new to explore but you still have the same sort of people um so i think it's it's pretty cool i i like when people do that um i i don't know i i don't see anything wrong with that no i mean if your style is globe trotting and setting all of your books in different you know far off cities cool but if your style is really taking one geographical region and getting as many stories out of it as possible (laughs) that's cool too yeah because there's stories everywhere so why not right and then one final thing that I wanted to touch on before we totally go off the rails. And oh, because we're gonna. You were, <laughs> Tyler's been gearing up for it. <laughs> um, so the one criticism that Gillian Flynn seems to get sometimes is being misogynistic. Hmm. Um, and it does seem to be a little bit overblown. Like, for example, when I tried to find it, I found like two articles about why she's a terrible misogynistic author. Really? And 20 about like, the criticism itself right so articles a criticism like, on the criticism yeah being like yeah. you know it's not misogynistic to write female villains right and that's where a lot of it comes from like she writes evil women sure and 
I don't know. I I mean, what do you think of the idea that that's misogynistic? <clears throat> I don't think that's misogynistic. Of course, I'm a man, so uh, I don't know <laughs> if I'm, a, don't <laughs> know if I'm allowed to have an opinion on this. Um, but to be honest, like you, you write what you know. She knows the thought process of women, right? And and you said it earlier. Like, there's people who've read this and be like, dude, you need to keep your eye open to his <laughs> to his husband, her husband, because because they're like this is going through her head you know and and so i get that and like she's approaching a villain through the lens of maybe how would i do this Mm -hmm. you know it's the same thing that i do when i'm writing the villain for my my fantasy world i'm looking at this villain like how is this the dark side of me right doesn't mean i'm gonna go commit genocide and kill an entire race of people (laughs) no it just like it's just kind of how would i do it as a man, as a person who has the abilities that I have. And I think that, that she probably taps into that same imaginative space of like, if I were in this position, how would I do this? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I don't think there's anything misogynistic about that. There's certain things I can see here and there again, just the first hundred pages (laughs) where she does, again, she's talking about sex and she's like, I just, I don't, she's like the character, Amy's like, you know, I, I've gone out with a few different men. There's some men who just, they, they're all about themselves during sex. And then there's men who are very submissive during sex. She's like, I just want a guy who's going to plow me. Right. (laughs) Like, like she, this is a girl character. And so like, I can believe that a, a woman writer would think like a woman in that situation. Be like, there's got to be women who have thought that way. I don't think that's misogynistic. I think that's just a point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, if all of her characters are like, you know, just plow me, then I'd be like, mm, she's probably got something going <laughs> on. <laughs> or like, this is the only kind of women yeah. she knows. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean... I agree that the criticism that it's misogynistic is pretty dumb. Yeah. It, I mean, if you really want equality in literature, like women should be allowed to be whatever they are, jerks, villains, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't even if it, I mean, I think some of the criticism is also that like statistically it doesn't match up with like, you know, criminal, like a, most murders are not women. Right. So for her to write from that angle, like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's where some of the criticism comes from. But I mean, she's just writing her book. She's exploring the dark side of the human psyche. Yeah, exactly. And you know what ugliness looks like and, and what evil looks like in women. And so as a reader, I like it because you don't see that a lot of other places. Normally women are like, you know, the person that the big hunky dude detective has to go save right yeah exactly or the evil person the evil woman is like a witch right? or like something yeah. very evil very not stereotypical just, not just a person not just a regular woman who just happens to be evil yeah right messed up exactly so i i can see that absolutely uh, oh the final thing i like about her books is oh, that yeah. um and you know light spoilers here there are no happy endings Oh, really? Yeah, no. Like, the girl does not get rescued by a dude at the end. Mm. The best you can hope for is that maybe she's got a little glimmer of hope that life isn't so terrible after (laughs) all. But it probably still sucks. But it's still going (laughs) to suck somehow. It's like real life, Amy says. Yeah. And it's true. So that's why I like it. Because even though you don't feel good at the end, 
you feel respected as a reader, mm. you got better than just a cookie cutter like, oh, everything resolved really nicely and everyone's going to go home and be happy now. Right, right. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. What would you say is one thing you really don't like about her writing? Oh, that she's slow. I mean, only three books since t- 2006. Oh, I thought you went as far as the book goes. No, I was going to say, no, I'm No, the surprised. pacing yeah. is fast because Gone Girl is her longest book by far. It's like 500 pages, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other ones are really, really fast. Yeah, the, you you can read through them pretty quick. No. If you're not me. And <laughs> like if you don't have ADD and have to reread paragraphs, then you'll get through them pretty quick. Yes, they are immense. They they are devourable. You yeah. could read them in one sitting, except Gone Girl because it's long. <sighs> Hannah can read them. I can in read one them sitting. in one sitting. I cannot. A regular human being <laughs> <laughs> cannot do that. No, I. She like I've read a lot of stuff, and like go from Tolkien to Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll you'll be like it'll be like running on one of those airport treadmill <laughs> things that go along. Yes. Yeah. When you hit. Flynn, that's the airport. You're just taking off. Yeah, you're going. Yeah. So, um, reading her books or what I have read of her books reminded me of someone else that I've read, and that would be you. That's the highest compliment I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not quite as messed up in the head as Gillian Flynn. But there's, (laughs) there's, there's, I mean, there's something to be said to the fact that I don't read murder mysteries right so you and gillian flynn are the only (laughs) that i've read and um but there's i can see how much she's impacted your writing like the way that that she writes is very interesting and i can see a lot of how you put that into your work do you mean like the um because she's pretty sparse with her yeah descriptions yeah and i mean i think i've always written a bit shorter but I think reading her stuff made me see that that could be effective as well. So I definitely do try to emulate that because like I said, sharp objects, dark places, pretty short novels in length, but they pack a lot of mood and description in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something that when I've been going through and critiquing your work, I've constantly told you like, please add more. (laughs) Cause I'll, you like, you had someone do five things in one paragraph and I feel like a sloth. (laughs) (laughs) These fake people are like more attentive to the things that they're doing than I am. So like, I, I ask you to, to pace a little bit more, but I, but I see how when she writes, it's like, you know, like this happened, this happened, this happened, maybe a fun little jokey way of explaining something this happened, this happened, this happened, right? So she breaks that up with almost humor a lot of times or just an interesting way of of getting around something. Or she ends the freaking chapter with, this is the first time I masturbated. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Cliffhanger. What? No. Um, We have to talk about something sexual on this show or else it's not worth it. That's the rule. (laughs) Since we don't know anything about Gillian Flynn's sex life, we have to talk about her characters. characters. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it was interesting to me, you know, reading these and and remembering reading your story. So uh, explain that to me. You did you start out wanting to write murder mysteries or is it only after you read her stuff? No, actually, yeah, it was after I started reading murder mysteries. So within the last two years or so, because I never wrote anything like that. I was always writing like 
young adult fiction yeah. type stuff. Um, but yeah, so I was probably hugely inspired by that just because the twist endings yeah. and I really, really liked that. So Yeah. And yeah. and like I said before, like I, I talked about when you and I you and I really started to get to know each other in this book club that we were in, a writer's club, not a mm-hmm. book club. And when we would all get together and read through your chapters, I would spend the next like fifteen minutes trying to figure out who did it. <laughs> Yeah, that's why he can't read murder mysteries. It is. And like, there was a rule put in place (laughs) by the third or fourth meeting that Tyler's not allowed to, to like, no guessing. Yeah, exactly. Because we're like, oh, was it this person? Ooh, did it, was it this person? You know? And so that is legit what I have to, when I'm reading murder mysteries, every single person, everybody is a suspect. (laughs) And I'm going through a million different ideas of how it could have been done sort of thing. Um, what I like about Flynn is that she, she breaks up so much of the monotony of it with um, internal dialogue and with interesting, like I was saying, interesting ways of, of pointing things out that it, it kind of breaks me of that where I'm, I'm of course I had only just gotten to, to where the mystery was starting. Right. But I think, as I've seen in her writing, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be sitting there reading so that I could just find out what the mystery is. I'd be reading so that I could find out more about the characters. Um, and with your writing, as I read more, that was the same thing that was happening. I wanted to get to know these characters that you were writing more, and I want. I'm shipping the two characters <laughs> already because I want them to be, you know, you know, forever. Well, if Gillian Flynn is actually my idol, I can't have a happy ending <laughs> you don't obviously have to do i have to kill some don't of my characters say that or else now i won't be able to <laughs> no, read your kidding. book I, I haven't decided <laughs> oh no then let me push you well, in the direction of, of put them together keep them let them be happy <laughs> and tyler just wants a happy ending for she the story gets, she, like i will i'll critique her work with with words on our google docs and then she'll also get gifts a lot oh yes he sends me gifts which are very uh very satisfying yeah yeah and so every time there's a moment where the characters are being shippy together like anything i always post a gif of a ship like a literal ship so when he says shipping them that means relationshipping yeah maybe we have readers who don't understand that and i'm a 30 year old (laughs) man using the lingo of like 13 year olds so i understand it i did say lingo that's a 30 year old man word for words (laughs) he's using the how do you guys say talk language (laughs) we just say talk (laughs) you guys haven't come up with a better word for that yet chat Chat. he's using the chat i'm chatting like a 13 year old i'm I'm doing it real quick so i'm snapchatting like in a snap yeah exactly um so it's it's uh yeah, so I put gifts up there of actual like like boat vessel ships yes. on like rocky seas and stuff. Anytime the characters do something cute. Yeah, Ship. exactly. <laughs> I've also decided that her the guy character in this looks like um oh, what's his name? Um 
Did you show Nick me? Miller. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nick Miller from New Girl. That's what he looks like whenever he's dressed up as... I think he only determined that because I said, like, his sleeves were, like, rolled he, up his he forearms. He was wearing flannel, <laughs> and he had rolled up sleeves, and he was wearing aviator sunglasses or something. And that's one of that's what Nick Miller looks like when he's Julius Pepperwood. Oh his his cop... Um, Persona. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I'm Julius Pepperwood. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> That's what he does. Your so, accents are great. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're bored, Chicago. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So just so everyone knows when the book comes out, that's canon. It's it's you have to look at it as uh, as Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson. Yeah. All right. I no, think no. I think that's a I mean, you told me so Have much we? about Jillian Flynn, G- Gillian Flynn. Yeah. we're. You even told me that her right name. Yeah. Right name which I learned because. I can't pronounce anything. <laughs> Words are hard, guys. Words. <laughs> Words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we have any uh, yeah, final no, no, thoughts no. on anything? I don't have any final thoughts. I, I thought that my final thoughts on, you know, how she's, you know, made you a better author. That was really was nice, nice of you. you know, but I guess that's not enough. We need to have more final thoughts. <laughs> no. Our final thoughts are... How you can support us. Yeah. No. First, we're going to go with how to support Jake Johnson. Not Jake Bassin? Johnson. Jake Bassett. The I'm first gonna... way you can support him is by knowing his damn name. Not thinking. <laughs> That's not even a bad word. <laughs> Jake Bassin. He uh, wrote and produced the amazing music that you heard at the start of this episode. Yeah, seriously. It, and we love listening to it. We're jamming out here on the couches. We legit just kind of play it before... We, it gets us in the yeah, in the zone before we start. Um, so where can people find Jake Basson's work? They can find Jake Basson at Jake Basson at. Um, sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm scrolling and I read it as I said it. Um, you can find him at SoundCloud.com backslash Jake Basson B A S S E N. He's the one that makes the music. Right? He's the one that makes That's the music that we said, just Amy. said. And he makes. I, I thought he was someone else. I wasn't no. He makes a lot of different music, <laughs> and he's very, very talented. So I highly suggest you guys check him out. But where can people find us, Hannah? Oh, oh I know. Amy knows. Amy knows. A- Amy, lean into the mic. I don't know, Here. Like, the actual name. Well, oh, okay. then, well, that doesn't help. Okay, you can, you can email us, as Amy said, at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. Yep. Or visit our website, lewislovecraft.com. Well, we kind of need to get that bot. Because right now it's lewislovecraft.weebly.com. Go to that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, if the first one doesn't work, try the second one. Follow us on Instagram, which is at Lewis and Lovecraft. And uh, we've got some cool pictures on there now, guys. Yeah. I've been, and Tyler made a little video, yeah. which is super cool. Yeah. You can find all sorts of extras. You can really get to know us as hosts. People. And people. <laughs> and you can see the rad socks that I was wearing at one point. You know, you just, you'll learn so much. Yeah, about, definitely. About the voices that are in your ears right now. And guys, um, that's everywhere, right? Because I'm going to talk about the next Facebook. thing, right? Uh, oh, Facebook. Also Facebook. Please, Facebook.com slash Lewis Lovecraft. You can go to the Facebook and chat with us and yeah. tell us what you think of the show, anything that we missed or we should have gotten right, um, or things, ideas for other episodes. We have lots of ideas for episodes, but if we'll you guys give us more, then that you know, kind of extends what we've got. Um, if you guys like our show and this is really important, hopefully, you know, we're going to be releasing our first five episodes this next week, which means hopefully you guys have listened to the first five episodes of our show and you've gotten to know us 
and now it's the and now it's the time like now is the time you guys to support us somehow just tell a friend tell a friend that's the most important thing you can do pick up the phone (laughs) (laughs) send a text like these two are doing right now they're snapchatting us (laughs) all up in here snapchat your friends about our Um, show other than that you can rate and review us on itunes or on facebook itunes will help us get in front of other potential listeners who might like books or authors or funny people who think they know what they're talking about um (laughs) you know writing a review takes maybe a minute maybe two minutes and leaving a review takes or leaving just rating us five stars four stars whatever you like takes two seconds it's really not long um subscribing to our show is really important because it tells us how many of you guys are listening on a regular basis and you know if if we ever want to make money at this somehow then we need those numbers to to send to doritos or unless you guys want to mail me checks directly (laughs) (laughs) in which case we can arrange that uh i do have one specific sponsor that i'm going to be going after um but we need numbers before i can do that okay um and i'm get him his sponsor people it's not it's not anything where like i'm hoping some giant ass company is gonna sponsor us for no reason like it's microsoft isn't it microsoft that's it not microsoft bill gates specifically bill gates i think we can sell it no uh there's there's someone that i want to not someone a company i want to go to um because i think we could really help them out they could help us out but we need numbers before we can do that um so yeah those are the best ways again telling a friend i hope you have one everybody um (laughs) we don't need friends we need people to tell friends you amy did a great job though she told a friend she brought a friend with her to the show so thanks for hanging out with us alex do you want to tell people what we're going to be doing next episode oh next episode is going to be a really fun one guys yeah yeah. i'm really looking forward to it so it's back to school time yes it is if you guys are in school or have kids in school (laughs) the teenagers are booing yeah um but so Tyler and I thought it would be fun to talk about some of our favorite series from our, our childhoods. Yeah. Kind of uh, probably, probably not elementary school necessarily, but probably like middle school. Yeah. Some middle grade fiction. What? Yeah. So it's yeah. going to be fun. Um, you were reading Magic School Bus in middle school, Amy? <laughs> I don't know. I was watching it. I wasn't even reading it. I didn't even know that was a Tyler thing Tyler doesn't read. read. That's yeah. what we've learned here. Yeah. What about, um, Should we tell him what we're going to be reading? Do you want to tell We'll, we'll touch on some some popular ones. I'm I'm gonna tell them what I'm reading. Okay, fine. I'm super excited about I it. Probably know some of them. It's gonna be exciting for people to find out what you're going to be reading. But I'm gonna be reading rereading the first three books of the Animorphs series. Heck yes, I'm so excited about what that. Uh, you don't have the first three. You have number four. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's a it's a 54 book series. So I'm only gonna read the first three books. Um, <laughs> And then I'm also going to try and get my hands on, which Amy, or not Amy, uh, Megan here at the, <laughs> the, <laughs> at the book, book nook. nook is ordering for me. It is a, it's a trilogy um, that I don't think anyone's ever heard of. But I for some reason, I, I found it as a kid and I read the first two books and then I never finished the third. And it's about a young Merlin. And everyone says, oh, it's this young Merlin series. It's not that young Merlin series. It's a different <laughs> one. I'm almost sure of it. So stay not tuned. Not that young to the, Merlin yeah, series. Yeah, it's a different one. Come back next, uh, not next week, next episode. Next episode. And uh, listen to us talk about those and the surprise books that Hannah's going to read from her childhood. You've probably read them too, people. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye.
one last thing before you guys go we'll be releasing episodes every two weeks on monday so make sure you follow us and subscribe so you can keep up but more importantly halloween is coming up and we're going to do a special show and we want you to join us on that episode so make sure you email us at lewis and lovecraft at gmail.com and write a short scary story we're looking for flash fiction between 500 to a thousand words and we want a spooky creepy or scary story it could be a true story that happened to you or maybe you're just gonna try being a uh, you know little lovecraft or a little king or something it doesn't really matter but we want you guys to write short stories and send them in so that we can read them for our special halloween episode Halloween is 100% my favorite ha- holiday, so I want you guys to be a part of this. We hope to cultivate a great community of people who want to write and encourage others to write because it's what Hannah and I love to do. So please join us on that episode and remember to email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com before the eve of Halloween.